Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC Vegas 61, headlined by a women's strawweight fight. We got Mackenzie Dern in the main event, taking on striker Yan Xiaonan, which should... You know, promised to be a pretty fun fight. You know, I would expect all action from either women, possible submission opportunity for Mackenzie Dern on the mat, possible knockout opportunity for Yan Xiaonan on the feet. So interested to see which woman is able to establish their style and can actually get their hand raised in victory as well. A couple other fun fights sprinkled out throughout the card. Randy Brown taking on old man Francisco Trinaldo in the co-main event. Uh, a bunch of others. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf coming back. Not to mention Mike Davis coming back as well after a 20-plus month layoff. Uh, he has a great matchup against Slava Claus ahead of him, so that one should be producing fireworks as well. Right off that, the top of the show, I want to remind you guys to hit that like and subscribe below. I mean, show you boys some support, some support. If you're watching this on the back end, hit the comment section up. And just a reminder that the show is always available on all audio platforms as well. So if you can't catch the YouTube version, if you don't want to take in the silky, smooth, caramel skin of your boy, you can do it the uh, audio way as well through Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and all that good stuff. And one last reminder before I bring my guest in here, uh, uh, Fight Day Live Chat tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, taking all questions, comments, and concerns uh, that you guys have going into the fights. I believe the fights kick off at 4 p.m. tomorrow, so slightly earlier start time than we're used to, uh, but I will still be here at 1 p.m. Eastern taking all questions and comments. All right. Appreciate everybody that's already in the chat here, so without further ado, let me bring in one of my guys here. First time on the show. I've been meaning to get this guy on for a while. Glad that he was able to answer the call for you, boy. We got my guy of the MMA engine, Mr. Yambag himself. Lou Betcha. Lou, how's it going, my brother? My bags hurt just looking at chat right now, seeing all <laughs> these shots. I'm good, man. Honored to be on the show. Like, glad to do some work with you. And uh, it's one of these weird cards where I looked at it on paper and I was like, eh. And then as the week went on, I'm like, eh, some good mm -hmm. spots here. Some fun fights. Uh, first fight of the night's probably the most fun, but thanks for having me on and uh, ready to go. Hell yeah, brother. Well, before we actually get into the fights, there was a fight that we lost this morning. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to this one. They love them some baby shark, just as I do. Unfortunately, she's not going to be competing tomorrow. Uh, Jessica Penne fell ill last night from what I'm hearing. And uh, it wasn't a weight cutting issue. That's what they're trying to establish here. Uh, she just fell ill, was not able to get cleared by the doctors. Now Tabitha Ricci is without an opponent. Unfortunately, it is just too short of a notice for her to get any sort of replacement. Uh, without getting too deep into that fight, did you have any type of betting angle on that fight that you wanted to take? Uh, and did you think that Richie was the rightful favorite there? Richie's the rightful favorite. The only bet I had was that John Kelly was going to be really happy when she won. <laughs> it was the only bet I had on that one. Uh, line's still wide for somebody who, going against a vet like Penny, I know she got beat up by Dakota, but I feel like this would have been a, a real different stylistic fight. I don't think that Richie's does a ton of damage like Dakota was in that style of fight. So I don't know if Penny could have vet savvied her. I was staying away from it, but Richie, I think is the rightful favorite there with the takedown upside and Penny's traditional, not so great takedown defense. 
Yeah, I was, I was right there with you as well. I was thinking of making, you know, a pretty big play on top of the Ricci, but then by the time I got around to tape on her, she was already north of minus 200. And I saw those issues that you kind of just, just spoke about as well, where her, her striking not to the level of Emily Ducati, who had, you know, a field day essentially with Jessica Penne on the feet. Um, and she would require to get this fight to the ground. And that's a spot where Jessica Penne can make things slimy, make things greasy, just like she did against Lupita Godinez after extended, after her extended layoff that she came back from, uh, uh, last year so uh, unfortunately we won't be getting the fight we'll see if they end up rebooking them or if they just decide to go a completely different route but penny's got to get her ass in the in the cage because she's 38 years old right she's getting up there in terms 39. of MMA age 39, 39 years old so yeah like i can't I don't, do we even have a 40 year old women's mma fighter on the on the roster i know danielle wolf's 39 as well but like Kinsey that or did she just take so much time off that <laughs> I think actually Holly Holm. Holly Holm is a 40-year-old fighter as well, but we know that she's levels above Jessica Penny as a complete fighter as well. But um, all right, let's get uh right into the fights here. So we did lose one fight, like I said. So it's 12 fights all taking place, 12 or sorry, 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Uh, first fight of the night, and I agree with Lou when he first said this. Uh, probably the most fun fight on the card. We got a blistering bantamweight belt between Randy Costa and Guido Canetti. In terms of odds, we got minus 285 on Randy Costa and plus 240 on the Argentinian Guido Canetti. Now, I love this fight, right? Just as much as you do, Lou. It, it, it's, it promises to be fireworks, promises to be action-packed. Randy Costa, the epitome of a first round or bust type of fighter as the majority of his wins i think all but one of his wins are all in the first round and then his uh uh all of his losses come in the second round which is hilarious you see that steady drop off that that or sorry not steady but that steep drop off in his productivity his cardio all of that uh once that second round hits that's where his opponents are able to take advantage of guido canetti experienced 42 year old uh, we we're just talking about 40 year olds um he has the power to to put on randy costa make him work and possibly even knock him out i'm not sure how you can completely trust randy costa at minus 285 given the issues that he has so the way that i decided to approach this fight under one and a half i got in on it earlier this week at around minus 160 i think that's a great line a phenomenal line for a, a randy costa fight and even if Costa wants to go out there and tries to, you know, uh, conserve his gas tank like he did against Tony Kelly, I think that's the type of fight that Guido Canetti brings, uh, he's going to force him to work. And he's going to make him uh, either, you know, gas him out or he'll eventually find the finish himself. But uh, I think the speed and length advantage that Costa is going to have early and just showcasing how good of a fighter he actually is. Like, just watch that that first round against Adrian Yanez. We all know how big everybody is on Adrian Yanez. He made him look like an amateur in that round. Beat the shit out of him. Couldn't put him away, but ultimately fell off in terms of his cardio and got finished himself in the second round. I think that he'll replicate that performance, but actually get the finish in the first round here. So best way of approaching it, Randy Costa round one, under one and a half. I got my action on the ladder uh, bet that I just stated there. What about yourself, Lou? You giving you giving Guido a shot here, or uh, do you think that Costa just annihilates him in that first round like I do? Let's make something clear. Ain't nothing wrong with being in your forties. Just tell the audience that right now. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with being in your forties. There is one guy on this card older than me, so at least that makes me feel all right. Masaranduba. <laughs> so, so you can't look at the money line here at all because if this thing yeah. goes the distance, we deserve to lose. Do I think Costa should be minus 300? Nah. He hasn't done anything in his career to prove it. He's still, this will be his 10th fight in his career. I know he has three amateur fights. I mean, Kinetta is the more experienced guy. 
you know, if you look at Kennedy and like, you know, what's the, what's the knock on him? It's his cardio. I don't think it's a factor here. So you're looking at KO props here. You brought up Costa never winning outside of the first round. It's not even that he's never won a fight outside of the two and a half minute mark, wow. which is crazy. So I, I'm, I'm going to take a shot on Gannett, on Kennedy KO. I played this fight two ways. Kennedy KO is plus 500. But DraftKings has Costa and under a half round at plus 280. Oh, wow. And that's his win condition. I mean, if this thing gets out of the, the first two and a half minutes and Kennedy hasn't been dropped, I think he's very live here. I think, you know, punching power is the last thing to go. I don't think his technique is bad. It's really his cardio. I mean, not to say Matinho is some defensive wizard. But I think he landed, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think 100% of his strikes landed on Matinho's face. The guy is accurate. So to me, if Costa, if he doesn't take him seriously, he's going to get dropped. So I took Costa plus 280 under half a round and the Kennedy KO plus 500 to cover both ends of it. To fight to end in KO is minus 330. It's unbettable. But I think this thing, I got to think Costa wins in the first minute honestly, like his kicks are great. He's another guy who's, I mean, he's only going to get better as he gets, you know, hopefully he's taken something from the Kelly loss. I think the Giannis fight's almost an outlier because he looked so good in the first round. I don't know what he could have done differently. Giannis just is so tough, but the Kelly fight, I think he kind of, he didn't look great cardio wise. I think he was a little reckless. So hopefully he learns from that. Maybe he's a little more defensively responsible, but I just, He's opening up a card. He's an excitable guy. You look at his Twitter. He's just like a, he's a cool bro, man. Like he just wants to go out there and impress the fans. Still young. I, I think he gets it done inside of two minutes, but I need the backup of Kennedy weathering the storm. So that's how I decided to attack this. But gun to my head, the pick is Costa to get it done. Yeah, like one of our guys, uh, Liam fight, uh, Picks Fights, always says ABC, right? Always back cardio, and it's hard to lay that type of chalk on a guy like Randy Costa, but this is a fight where props probably will be able to make your most money. I like the angles that you provided as well, um, but I think both of us are kind of in the boat of, hopefully this ends within seven and a half minutes because that would be great for our bank. Be shocked, be shocked <laughs> if it did. I have the under in a parlay. Too. I mean, if this yeah. thing goes after around a half, we... We probably deserve to lose that one. Exactly, exactly. It kind of does remind me, I will say this, it kind of reminds me of the Mano Martinez and Guido Canetti fight, but we know for a fact that Randy Costa has dog shit cardio. Like, with Martinez, we were kind of just thinking that he had dog shit cardio, but he was still able to go out there the full 50 minutes. But uh, here with Costa, we have visible and constant ev evidence that this guy's cardio is just absolute uh, dog shit. Martinez had, and remember, Martinez was coming off losing his coach too, so there yeah. was a lot, of, a lot of drama in his camp that week because he didn't come out as usual explosive self in that no. one either yeah he was very much composed there all right let's move on to the next fight here we got a women's catchweight belt at 140 pounds yulia stoliarenko i like to call her the lithuanian ronda rousey here she's going up against uh chelsea chandler who's making her ufc debut uh pretty much a pick em here lou we got minus 115 on uh Stoliarenko minus 105 on Chandler. If you shop around enough, you could possibly get minus 110 on either fighter. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off, man. What are you thinking here between these two women? Does Chandler get her hand raised in her UFC debut, or does the uh, the veteran, I guess we can call her now, Yulia Stoliarenko, pull it off? These odds are strange to me because I didn't see anything on tape with Chandler that, that really impressed me. And she ducks her head in a lot on entries when she's trying to come in to get close range in a boxing range, she ducks her head a lot. And 
that that just makes her prone for a takedown. And I think one takedown ends this fight from Soliorenko. Wow. I realized that JRC, like, say what you want about her, but she she was coming off getting armbarred by uh, Egger. You knew her whole camp was don't get taken down and get armbarred. <laughs> and Soliorenko did it with ease. I'm more impressed with the Alexa Davis fight from Soliorenko. Yeah. She showed some toughness. And I don't know that Chandler has finishing ability. I mean, she's two finishes and two decisions in her in her history. I don't think she's some legendary finisher. Soliorenko round one sub at plus 600. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, that's her winning condition. I, I love it. But back it up with just her money line. It's such a good price. Like, you don't need to get greedy here either. Also, like, take a Pokemon money line at minus 115. I don't think Chandler finishes her. And if Soliorenko does get a takedown and doesn't submit her, she's still going to win the round. She's still going to control her. She does it two out of three rounds. I think it's an easy win. Uh, she's also proven her cardio is, is decent in the third round. She doesn't wilt. She, maybe she throws a little less volume, but she's tough and she doesn't wilt. So unless Chandler has some legendary third round in her, I see Stoliarenko probably winning the first two rounds. Plus you get somebody making a debut. You never know. It's butterflies. I realize we're going to have a weird environment with no fans. Uh, but to me, I think Stoliarenko is vet enough to get this to the ground, avoid any kind of, you know, weird boxing range as best she can and eventually sub her probably in the first round. Yeah, I largely agree with you on this matchup. Uh, you know, I've I've been a big fan of Yulia Stolyarenko just because she just, just her fighting style. She's aggressive. Uh, she's always in entertaining fights. Um, you know, the the one thing I'll never forget is her fight against Yana Kunitskaya, where Kunitskaya just wanted to like cage push her the entire time and just beat her up there. And you see Yulia actively trying to like fall to her back and pull her into her guard. And you see Yana just keeping her up <laughs> like usually when people get into that cage kins position they want to drag their opponent to the ground that's the ultimate goal but yano is like nah i know you want to take my arm home with you back to lithuania i'm gonna keep you up here and i'm gonna try to punish you here and she was able to win that fight just based off of control that's where my concern slightly lays here with the chelsea Chandler side right she's she's 28 years old we gotta assume that she's gonna be making improvements uh but like when when we see her win, a lot of her wins come from just her controlling her opponents up against the cage. Like she's still very green, she's still very raw, and she's just using her physical capabilities or attributes to uh, uh, kind of just control her opponents. That's that's really about it. Like there's no real like finishing type of upside on her other than when she fought that whatever forty plus year old Olivia Parker, uh, you know, who had just gotten to where she got because of her physical traits. She was a big woman in her own right, and Chelsea. Chelsea Chandler was able to land a big shot on her, eventually choke her out. But, you know, in this fight against uh, uh, Stoliarenko, you nailed it. I was impressed in the Alexis Davis loss. I had a good chunk of change on Alexis Davis that night, and I was sweating my balls off. A little, little dicey. little dicey. Right? Way too dicey. Um, but Stoliarenko, like, she just showcased, man. She moves forward. She throws big shots. Uh, she wants to get you to the ground. But a lot of it uh, is set up with just reckless striking. And I just don't think that Chandler's striking is there yet to take advantage of that. My only concern is if Chandler just tries to cage push her and just tries to control her up there. Because she could be the stronger woman here, right? She could definitely have that into her advantage. But I think at a certain point, Stoliarenko will be able to get this fight to the ground. And I think eventually she will be able to work that submission, too. I, I just have a little bit of pause for some reason in regards to betting this matchup. I do agree with you, Stoliarenko. Even Stoliarenko straight up by sub plus 300, not a bad spot either, even if you don't want to take the round one combination. Um, 
but you yeah. know why you have pause. I know why you have pause. Why do I have pause? Because the lines shouldn't be what it is. You would think the lines. Maybe be... that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe subconsciously, I'm like, why not, is the line? Not, at, it not is? at you. Yeah, but but I but I do think that she is the the rightful side. I think she has she has proved more. She's proved against better competition. And from the challenge side, I still see a little bit of greenness, a little bit of rawness that needs to be worked out still. So um, we'll go uh, Stoliarenko add another arm to her mantle there over there in Lithuania. Make that ten out of eleven wins coming via armbar, and hopefully it's Chelsea Chandler's. All right, let's move on. To the next fight here, we got a light heavyweight belt where we got Maxime Grishin going up against Philippe Linz. In terms of odds, we got minus 180 on the Russian and plus 155 on Philippe Linz. Man, Philippe Linz looking shredded at 205 pounds. Seems to be really living that light heavyweight lifestyle nowadays. And I'm wondering, will we see a better version of him this time around compared to what we saw from him in the Marcin Pracnial fight? Like, he won the Pracnial fight. But I thought he looked a little sloppy. I thought he, you know, got lucky with a couple of the punches and and strikes that he was landing on Pracnial. Um, and then even when he was going for takedowns, there couldn't control Pracnial on the ground at all. Pracnial was able to work right back to his feet, and that seemed to impact the cardio of Philippe Lins because he, let's be honest, he looked like shit in that third round. But luckily for him, Marcin Pracnial looked even shittier. Uh, so. I want to keep an eye on Philippe here, right? He's 37 years old. We know he's getting up there in terms of MMA years, but so is Grishin, right? Grishin's 38 years old as well. Um, so we got two like older guys that's just like heavyweight weight class. What I want to sit back and watch is what kind of 15 minute performance are we going to get from Philippe now that this is a second march to the octagon as light heavyweight? Because if we see a more improved version, it wouldn't shock me. You know I mean, uh, if this was closer to a pick him, I'd probably have a bet on Grishin here, knowing he's the more uh, legit guy in a sense that like he's a better minute winner. He'll likely have an advantage pretty much everywhere except power. And I think that should be enough for him to win this fight. But I don't want to count out the possible improvements that we can see from Linz. His issue always in the past has been like he's a little bit low volume. He allows fights to pass him by, just as we saw in the Andre Arlovsky fight. He like overcalculates things, right? Like he's just waiting for that opportunity to land that big one, two, so that he can rock you, drop you, hurt you, and all that. But like, can he translate that into being something more now? Can he throw more? Can, will his cardio allow him to look good enough in that third round? Because if he looks the same that he did in the Pracnail fight, I think Grishin like more than covers his price tag here and looks good doing so. But it's more so the things that we don't know yet about Philippe Linz, in my opinion, that's keeping me off this fight. But I'll still go with Grishin as my prediction. Uh, like I said, both guys look great on the scales as well. Philippe Linz really looking like a 205er now. Let's see if he can go out there and fight like a 205er, though. So I'll go Grishin. Grishin by decision. What about you, Lou? What are you thinking here, man? With you 100% on your analysis, let me just add that I had a bet on Lynn's round two KO against Prachnow. And there were two different times during that round where the ref told Prachnow, like, you have to fight back or it's over. So I'm I'm still pissed that that didn't get there. <laughs> so close. I think because I think it was plus 850. And I'm like, oh man, Ooh. it's gonna get there. Lynn's came out slow though. He didn't look great in the first round. I agree with you that he looks better at 205. The one thing that has me leaning toward Grisham the most, and I don't really care about his age, like. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement about these older Russian fighters, but they seem like they're just this conditioning is like, it doesn't matter. Like 38's like being 30 for them. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Like the volume of fights doesn't really affect them. I was really impressed. Remember William Knight came into that fight. What was he? 14, 15 pounds. It was like an absurd amount. He was over the limit. Yeah. 
And Grisham bullied him on the ground, in against a cage and clinches. Like he's deceptively powerful. So I think Grisham can win this fight anywhere. I don't. I mean, obviously, I you don't really see this hitting the ground. But but if it does, I can't imagine Grisham's going to be in any kind of trouble unless he's mounted. And all the exchanges in terms of like the strength against the cage, I think Grisham's going to be the slightly stronger guy. He's definitely going to win more minutes because he's going to throw more volume. I think the KO is live for Grisham. I haven't bet it yet. It's plus 275. I don't think there's enough meat on the bone for me to really get there. I don't like to bet negatives if I can avoid it. And if I'm betting the KO prop, I'm certainly not betting Grisham's amazing KO power. I'm betting (laughs) Lynn's, like I'm betting against Lynn's chin. And I don't typically like to do that. So Grisham at minus 180, I already have that in a parlay with the Costa under as like my little show starter two-teamer. I think it's pretty safe. I think Lynn's, unless he shows some remarkable cardio, he'd probably have to win the first two rounds here to, to pull this off. I, I think Grishin's shown his cardio is the same. Like, it's not like he gets stronger as the fight goes on. He's just, he's pretty even keel in terms of his approach, his volume. Like, he never looks tired. He does get hurt. So I don't know if Linz can hurt him. But to me, I think Grishin wins all the minutes, the stronger fighter, and as the fight goes on, just looks better and better. Late KO is very possible here. Yeah, I just quickly peeked at the Grishin uh, round three, and it's sitting around plus 1,200 on most spots, and it tickles my fancy ever so slightly. Oh, and this is, just so you know, because chat's been begging for it, this is the Yambag special <laughs> of the card. Uh, as I do think it will go at least, uh, you know, look, typically when I do one of these bets, there actually is a science to this. I like to get orthodox against Southpaw. Oh, that's a great look. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's typically what you want. Like, thanks, Uncle Wheezy was like, that's what you want. Like, you know, when this whole nonsense debacle idea of a bet first came out, Wheezy and I were trying to figure out if there were, like, data points for it. I, we don't have that on this card, I don't believe. But the other things I look for are, like, I want heavier fighters because ball shots are – I'm just going to talk like I usually talk, man. I'm trying to be, hey, you don't have to be professional or anything here. This ain't no fucking so ESPN get, or anything. Hit me, bro. Hit so, me. so for Olajuwon in the chat, a yambag shot is a bet on a point deduction. It's 20 to 1 on DraftKings. I know Betway has it. I don't know if any other books have that bet, but uh, it's because I'm an idiot and it's hilarious, but I've hit three of them. <laughs> but I've hit three of them this oh. year. And also, it's fun to root for, except for, unless Herb Dean's the ref, where it's like, I'm, I'm just, it's like nine warnings. I'm like, bro, he grabbed the cage with both hands. <laughs> like, how are you not? Like, if it's Herzog, I'm in. I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to get there. So with two guys that are heavier, leg kicks, like with ball shots, certainly are more impactful. They're more noticeable. If you got a bunch of 135 pounders in there, it's, you know, unless you got the dude from like the beginning of kickboxer kicking the post in Thailand, like before <laughs> he fights Van Damme's brother, like you're not really worried about it. So I, to me, I like looking for like the bigger fights. I If they have a grappling upside, I look for it. Like if one guy's a grappling, one guy isn't because the cage grabs. But realistically, you're looking at two punchers. The eye pokes are in play. Grishin does have some kicks. So the bag's possible. And uh, 20 to one, look, man. Five bucks. I make that in a week. It's nothing. <laughs> so five bucks on that to win a hundred and have some fun with it. And then uh and then like look at Twitter and be like, Lou, <laughs> get in there. I'm like, yes. What was the last the last one was Negramanu and uh the guy that it beat, right? Pretoria? No, it was uh Negramanu and it was either in Chukwi or 
I can't remember, but it was like Negromanu won by a split decision and people thought we were getting a draw. And it was like five eye pokes in the second round. And it and it was Herb Dean. I'm like, God damn it. Dude, stop warning him. He's bent over in his corner like this. Yeah, it's so, probably it was I think it was the Nzechiku fight. That's the only fight that he's gone to a decision. Uh the other one was the Alexa Kamor fight that went to a decision as well. Right. So like that was that's the last <laughs> yam bag one I hit. I think Selecki had one. I didn't take it on that one, but Selecki had one. That was back in March. Uh usually Sorry, usually is it like a standard plus 2,000 or does it vary depending on the fighters? There's been one fight where it was plus 1,800. Do you want to guess what it was? It was at heavyweight. Do you want to guess who was in it? Uh, He's a known cheater. So At heavyweight. He's no longer with the UFC. Man, it's going to take me a while to jostle my brain. What are we talking? Greg Greg Hardy and Ty Boyle was plus (laughs) Was plus eighteen hundred, and and the only reason it didn't get there is Tybura just like stomped him and didn't give yeah. him time to cheat. But uh, yeah, I looked at it, it was like plus eighteen hundred. I'm like, did I move the line? Did I, <laughs> like, did I actually influence this? Because I had people like blowing me up, like this is the yambag bet of yambag bets, and I'm like, yeah. And then I looked, I'm like eighteen hundred. Like they know. Still yeah. good, still good value. But. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Especially like again, uh, known cheaters as well. Like even just going back and looking at these guys' uh, fights Costa. and just seeing which Costa ones. is a known, yeah, like I poke to get a break guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in his last fight, but against Vittori, yeah. he did it like three times. I mean, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get to this next fight because I'm going to get you to kick this one off for us. It's a middleweight fight between Brendan All-In Allen and Christoph Jotko. In terms of odds, we got minus 125 on Christoph and plus 105 the return on Brendan Allen. Funnily enough, at the weigh-ins, uh, Brendan Allen goes to shake his hand and Christoph Jotko is like, oh, now you want to be friends. <laughs> because uh, for those that weren't following either of these guys on social media, Brendan Allen has been calling out Christoph Jotko for a while. I think he called him a pussy, called him scared, all this type of stuff. And now when they're face-to-face, he decides to shake the man's hand. And Christoph Jotko, you know, he'll go along with it, but he was clearly pissed off like, oh, now you want to be friends. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup, man? It's a, it's an interesting stylistic matchup. Uh, clear, uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this one. What are you thinking? This seems to be one of the bigger Twitter debates this week. I think it's, which is weird to me. Like there's people that are pretty strongly on Jocko because they think he'll avoid mistakes. Whereas with Alan, yeah, he's prone to mistakes, but he's probably going to be the more action fighter here. So I took a little bit different approach here. Like, gun to my head, I'd pick Jocko. Just because I feel like he can stay out of trouble. Now, this fight, to me, I think fight goes the distance. It's incredibly reasonable at, I think it's 165. The over two and a half is minus 190. Fight goes the distance, minus 165. I think this fight goes the distance nine out of ten times, especially the way Jocko fights. If there is finish equity, it's probably on the Allen side. But if you look at the shift in judging we've had, they want more action. They're they're more prone to look at damage and not just pitter-patter stuff as much, unless it's like Jocko's fight against GM3 where there wasn't any damage, but it was really one-sided for Jocko in terms of just punches landed, even the, the takedowns. If there's takedowns here, I think it's going to be, and I, I think there will be, it's going to be really interesting because Jocko's unafraid to go for him, but he doesn't do much with it. And Allen's no slouch on the, his takedown defense isn't great, but he's no slouch on the ground at getting reversals and getting in top position. I don't know who's going to do any damage in this fight because Jocko's so defensively responsible that if I'm going to play a, a fight goes the distance prop in a fight where I don't think there's going to be any damage, I'm playing fight to end and split decision at plus 450. 
if Tim Troiano's listening, my guy Tim. Oh, did we lose you? I like the four. But go. on top of that, if you're gonna bet, if you're gonna bet a split decision, you got to bet both guys to win by split decision to back it up because you profit the most that way. Brendan Allen's plus eleven hundred by split, which is wild for a line that's so and Jocko's plus 850 but it's wild that those lines are so disparate with how close the line is so give me a poke on both guys win by split and the fight to end in split in a fight that honestly how often does this really like why is fight goes minus 165 here why isn't it higher i, I personally i think it's because uh um uh, the Brendan Allen side, right? Like the guy likes to go out there. He puts himself into defensive uh, liability situations. Um, you know, he's very aggressive. He likes to come forward, likes to get guys to the ground and try to finish them there. And then on the feet, like when he has fought in strikers, usually those guys are able to get him out of there, right? I'm not sure that Jotko will be the guy that gets him out of there, though. Uh, I do kind of agree with, you know, a large part of what the comment section is saying is Jotko by decision. Uh, but I don't mind his money line either. At minus 120, I do think he is the better overall fighter here, right? Like, Allen is a solid jiu-jitsu player. His striking is still coming along. It's not really that much, right? Like, he, he throws big strikes but he's not really throwing in combinations. It's more so just to close that distance and get his opponents to the ground. Outside of that, like I think he very much struggles to really assert himself in the striking. Um, I do want to quickly say, in regards to people like shitting on Jotko's output and all that, yes, significant strikes are the main ones that like usually count, but like when you like go into the fights and look at these the statistics, like total strikes, for example, in the, the Gerald Beershard fight, significant strikes, he landed 65. Total strikes, he landed 130. You know, go to the Eric Anders fights, uh, fight. He significant strikes landed 66, but total strikes landed 101. Uh, Alan Amadovsky, significant strikes landed 43, total strikes 111. Like he is active, like he is throwing punches, he is trying to dish out damage. But people just want to look at the significant strikes and be like, oh, this guy, he's low, he's too low volume, he doesn't do anything. He does enough to win these decisions. Like he outstrikes his opponents enough to win these decisions. And I think that's what we're going to see here to uh, against Brendan Allen. Like Bal Allen might, you know, get off on more uh, damage looking shots, like look like he's throwing more damaging shots. But I think it's going to be Jotko who's going to be countering him effectively here. He uses his range very well. His jab down the middle is a thing of beauty. I think he's going to struggle a lot here uh, dealing, or sorry, Jotko, sorry, Allen is going to struggle a lot with the striking of Jotko here. And Jotko has a good enough takedown defense that even if he does get taken down, his get-ups are pretty good in my opinion that I think he'll be able to nullify the majority of Brendan Allen's success on the mat. So uh, I think we see Jotko keep this upright for the most part, touch up Brendan Allen, win this fight over 15 minutes. That's it. He outstrikes him. And that's how I think he ends up getting his hand raised here. So I took a I took a shot on the minus 120. Obviously, he hasn't really moved much now. It's only up to minus 125 on certain spots. But uh, yeah, I think he's the side in this matchup. And uh, I honestly think that Brendan Allen has largely been overrated, man. Like, I, I love the guy. I think he's a great fighter. But I just, I, like, minus 300 against Jacob Malkoon. He won that fight by the skin of his teeth. I minus had a decision prop, man. I had Malkoon decision at plus 850. Like, Bro. a week, I was like, oh, I it was so close, but I think Allen did win that fight. Like, I don't think it was a 
a robbery. It's a close fight, though. Oh, like so close, man. Yeah, you want to talk about value on a losing bet, Malcoon, and your Malcoon by decision. I absolutely value on that losing bet. But even going back to the Kyle Dawkins fight, right? That's a fight where I still was like, I was on the Brendan Allen train back then, right? And I took the chalk on him that night, and I'm watching that fight. I'm like, there's no way this guy should have been minus 300 here. Like Kyle, like maybe we're just underrating Kyle Dawkins a little bit too much going into that fight. But uh, yeah, I just don't think that Brendan Allen is usually worth that minus 300. I think the line is correct here at that minus 125, minus 120-ish uh, for Jotko and plus 100 the return on Allen. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to go Jotko. Uh, I'll go with my Dragon Ball Z tattooed guys. That's uh, that's what I'm going to back. Uh there's one more thing I just want to bring up that we didn't address is that, you know, we talked about Jocko kind of being smart. We haven't talked about Allen's her historically horrific fight IQ. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, so the thing is, is if, if he lets Jocko lead the dance, which is, I mean, look, Allen, he fought, I know he beat Punaheli Soriano. If I said that name wrong, I apologize. Sorry. <laughs> let's say Soriano. You nailed it. You nailed it. But, but he, he decided to have a stand up battle for 15 minutes, which, okay. I mean, he'll advise. And then against Malcoon, where he probably should have kept it standing, he decided to be on the ground at the whole time. So you, you got to figure if that's the case here, then are we getting 15 minutes? We're getting a 15 minute striking battle. If we do, yeah, Allen probably has the more powerful shots, but Jocko could just jab him and stay at range for most of it and win minutes. So if Allen fights his fight, it's hard to take Allen here. Yep. Shout out to our guy, Uncle Weezy, in the chat. Love that. He heard his uh, name. Well. He heard his name before when we were talking about Yambag. So he <laughs> All right, let's get to the next fight here. We're going to be talking about the uh, fellow Canadian of mine, Jesse the Body Snatcher Ronson, going up against Joaquin Silva. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 145 on Silva, plus 125 the return on the Body Snatcher. Now, the Jesse, 35 years old. I'm not going to lie. It looked a little rough on the skills to me this morning. Looked a little rough at the uh, the face-offs as well. The guy made weight. The guy's a professional. Obviously, he's going to make the weight. But uh, I- I'm wondering like, if he's really starting to come to the, the twilight of his career, right? I- I'm-, I'm wondering if this might be one of the, you know, one of the last five fights that we ever see him compete in. Now, he should have the striking advantage here. Great combination striker. Has some good power in his hands uh, and his kicks as well. Um, you know, I've been following this guy even since his regional days because he fought for a couple of shows that I had my hand in up here in uh, southern Ontario. Uh, and uh, I thought he was special, man. I thought he had all the chops to go out there and be very successful in the UFC. He gets signed to the UFC a couple of fights after fighting for the promotion that I uh, was working with. And uh, he just gets lined up with killer after killer after killer. I mean, Michelle Pizarish loses a split decision there. Francisco Trinaldo loses a split decision there. And then he ends his initial UFC career by losing to Kevin Lee via decision as well. The one thing that at least two of those three guys all had in common was the fact that they were able to get the fight to the ground. And that's where Jesse Ronson struggles the most. We saw it in the Rafa Garcia fight as well, where Garcia got him to the ground and choked him out. I'm expecting Neto BJJ to hone in on his nickname this weekend and look to get this fight to the ground and try to get Ronson out of there. You'd expect him to do that as well, considering he's coming off of two knockout losses. You know what I mean? That's not a good look. Um, so with his job likely on the line here, I'm expecting him to pull out all the stops, look to get this fight to the ground and try to look for a submission. But the angle that I ended up going with Lou is the under two and a half. I'm expecting pure violence in this matchup, whether it's a knockout from the Ronson side or a submission or even TKO from the Joaquin Silva side. I'm expecting both guys to come out with a fire 
uh, in their belly to try to get that win. And I think that's going to translate into a finish of some sort. I'm going to lean with the Joaquin Silva side. I do think that he'll be able to get it to the ground and work that submission. But again, the, the bet that I would recommend, if any, is the under two and a half. Hope for some violence. If you want to pay up for the fight, doesn't go to the decision. It goes all the way up to about minus 175 to minus 200, depending on the book you're looking at. But the under two and a half around minus 140, minus 150, me likey. Because I'd be surprised if this goes all the way to that third round. Uh, but Silva would be the prediction. What are you thinking here, Lou? 100% there with you. This is one of my strongest players on the card is under two and a half. I just told you I don't like bet negatives. But when you have a double negative like this, it's kind of easy to see. I mean, like Ronson, I mean, even the fight that he, the fight that he won that got overturned, I thought he looked all right. But how long ago is that? I mean, do we even... You can't even as he's as he's aging, and he the thing is, is I feel like he's an older thirty six. We talk about Grishin being thirty eight yeah. and being fine, but like Ronson, I don't think is a young thirty six. He's taking some damage. Not a great look in the Garcia fight. In fact, he didn't even look great on his feet. I thought Garcia looked way better on the feet, and then as soon as it hit the ground, he was outmatched. I don't know that we could trust Silva. Like all your points are valid. He's going to want to avoid getting hit again, coming off two bad knockouts. I just hope we can trust them to go for takedowns. If it stays on the feet, the KO from either guy is is live. I know Ronson's got a better chin, but Silva hits. Like, I mean, he's got some serious power. On the ground, it's one-way traffic. So I'm with you. I lean Silva. I looked at Silva's in the distance prop. It's only plus 145. His money line's minus 145. That tells you everything you need to know about how they think this fight's going to go. So I'd rather save five cents, take the under, and give me Ronson to maybe find the chin of Silva again, but I do lean the Silva side here. Under is the strongest play. Yeah, I, I hope you're, uh, well, I hope Ronson pulls it off just as, you know, C Canadians and MMA, not really the best in the UFC over the last couple months. Hey man, I root for all my Philly guys. <laughs> and and like, you know, your co-host, Clint, uh, consistently bets against everybody from Philly. He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, dude, here's, yeah, you're like the last 30. <laughs> you have a spreadsheet of this? <laughs> I'm like, you're 0-15 against the Gracie gym. Like, you literally <laughs> just keep firing against them, so. I think the last time I bet against a Philly guy was uh, Court McGee and Jeremiah Wells, and that didn't go too well. <laughs> oh, man, I was on, I did club and sub that week, and yeah, and it was Lags and Luke, and they were like, all right, Lou, like, tell us why Wells is going to win, and I'm like, I can't. Like, I just like McGee here. I'm going to go. And then I felt like an idiot. I mean, I was what it took one minute. And I mean, you don't expect Court McGee to get flatlined like that, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's going to vet savvy him in the second and third round. And uh, I learned my lesson with Wells. I mean, I can only think of the what the blood diamond fight, I can only envision him, yeah, just falling over in five seconds and being like, oh my yeah, god, I'm yeah, going to yeah. bet this guy against a vet. Like, it's a big leap up in competition. So, anyway, but, but that's, that's MMA, right? Like, that's MMA, though. When you have a guy with big power early like that, and a guy like Court McGee that will likely take it on the chin, sometimes he eats it, sometimes he doesn't. That night he didn't eat it. And I also yeah. forgot. Um, I did back Damon Jackson as well over Pat's TV. So I lied. I have uh, faded Philly guys and come yeah, out I, successful I, at least once. <laughs> I let, I let, I didn't like the I didn't like the number on that. I was going to take Sabatini and like, but then knowing all the stuff that Damon Jackson went through, like. Yeah. really hard not to be happy for him and, of course i honestly that, didn't even know that until like after yeah. the fight i'm like oh shit and he's one of the good dudes out there like oh, i mean sure. he gives his time to like our community yeah like he's very accessible which is really cool and he does not have boring fights not at all not at all all right let's get to the next fight it is the prelim headliner unless they shuffle the card with uh tap the Ricci now off the card uh but it should be old man olenic going up against 
Alir Latifi in terms of odds. We're looking at minus 190 for Alir Latifi, plus 160 the return on Alexei Olenek. Uh, Lou, I'm going to let you kick this one off, my friend. What are you thinking here uh, between these heavyweights? And good God, how thick is Alir Latifi nowadays, bro? What are you weighing at, 250-something? God. He looks, he's looking good. Uh yeah, so like another narrative is how do you choke out the man with the with no neck? Is the big <laughs> narrative here. So, man, I, this is tough because I like. It's hard not to. You have to like a Linux. Like you got to respect the guy. Yeah. And I think his last time he won in his interview, he was like, "Hey, man, I'm only going to be here five, ten more years," which I thought was like, "All right, he's he's self aware of this." I just think Latifi wins this fight. I think he and I think he wins it kind of easily. I'm not saying Latifi's Mr. Action, he's Mr. Excitable, but he's smart and he's a good lead blanket when he lays on you. I think this fight's going to hit the ground. If it stays on the feet, I mean, you got to think Latifi he certainly has the, the finish upside on the feet. If it hits the ground, I think Latifi's defensively responsible enough to avoid sticking his neck out there and getting choked. I think somebody joked me the other day. They said, oh, you know, like a Linux by a knee bar. I'm like, I mean, all right, he doesn't have a neck. That's certainly an approach, but... <laughs> I think Latifi can lay on top of him. Here's the thing I don't understand from a prop perspective. His KO prop is plus 140. And I've mentioned the whole betting on the negatives. If you're betting on that KO prop, you're betting on a Linux chin being compromised. But if this fight stays on the ground and it's just Latifi laying on him, then, I mean, I don't see why the decision isn't live. I know people don't really like betting that kind of bet. But Latifi by decision at plus 300 is... I haven't gotten there yet, but it's kind of an interesting look if he just lays on. And look, if he's up to nothing, is he really going for a finish in the third round? No, he's going to lay on top of him until the ref says, get up. And he's just take him down again and do it again. I, I think there's a respect factor there too. I don't think, it's almost like Latifi's not going to really try to rage kill him. So I think Latifi can do enough on the ground. I think the price tag's about right. But I don't, oh man, I just, it sucks, man. I don't want to bet against the Linux. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to get to the window to bet anything in this fight. To be honest, I could see it being the most volatile fight on the card, bar like bar none. Like we could get a quick Latifi club and and get this guy out of there. We could get a slow dragged out fight where Olenek pulls off a fucking Ezekiel in the 14th minute or something like that. Right? Like there's just so many so much craziness that could absolutely happen in this fight. Um, for the decision prop that you laid out, I, I honestly would want a juicier number. Like I'd want like closer to plus 500 plus 600 to even take a shot on that myself. Um, my, my, my other concern here is so, so I'll just lay it all out there. My, my official prediction will be Latifi by knockout. Right. But I think that knockout only really has legs in the first three to four minutes of this fight, because after that, this guy huffs and puffs pretty bad, but like Olenek does the same thing too. Right. And now here's the other caveat I want to throw out there. Uh, everybody, myself included, are giving Alir Latifi the advantage should this fight stay on the feet. But we always look over that like wild, reckless style of moving forward that Alenik does and, and just throws big bombs, hoping that he can hurt you to eventually get you to the ground or hoping that big punch will get your guard up higher so that it can get in deeper on your legs and then get you to the ground. It's He is live on the feet to have his own success is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I still think that at a certain point, one of those big bursting power shots from Latifi in the first three to four minutes of this fight is going to land cleanly on the chin of Linux here. And I think he'll be able to follow up with some ground and pound hammer fist, get him out of there in that fashion. But 
no confidence at all in this fight, man. I, I, I really, I just want to sit back and watch it as a fan. I've already broken it down three or four times, considering how many times it's already been matched up. Uh, I'm hoping this is the last time I'm going to have to break it down because I just need this fight to be over right. with. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, and as Paul Shaughnessy said, hopefully nobody gets hurt. Yes. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. Let's just turn out a Linux lights for a little bit and then uh, bring it back to life after that. Um, all right. That is a wrap on the prelims. Shout out to the 70 live viewers that we currently have on this Friday afternoon. Appreciate you guys hanging with us, breaking down UFC Vegas 61 one last time for you guys. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. And give my guy Lou some love as well. The link to his Twitter page is in the description below. Just click that link, hit him with the follow. I promise you guys will get some giggles and some good advice as well from my guy, Lou. The guy just cracked 1,000 followers as well. That means he is a legit MMA personality now. There's a 1,000 crazy guys... people. It means there's a 1,000 crazy people out there. <laughs> there you go. Make sure you guys go check him out. Uh, a very fun follow and a very great dude as well. All right, let's get to the main card here. Some fun and juicy fights to talk about. First of which, the return of Beast Boy Mike Davis. He's going up against Slava Claus, Vyacheslav Borshev. In terms of odds, we got minus 180 on Mike Davis, plus 155 the return on Borshev. Interesting fight here. Uh, you know, everybody can just go and say, hey, if Mike Davis just watches the Mark D. Casey fight, he should be able to replicate that and do the exact same thing to Borshev. But my concerns lay more so outside of the cage, right? I'm wondering what Davis has been going on in his personal life, with the injuries that he had to deal with, uh, the possibility that he has long COVID, which is something that he kind of talked about. You know, that kept him out of the action at the end of 2021, where he said he just could not get his cardio in check and ready to go to, to actually get into live action. Um, if he, like, fought three or four months ago and looked really good, I would have been all over this bet. Like I thought minus 180 would be an absolute steal because he is a great wrestler. He is a great grappler. He is a great striker to the extent that he should be able to keep up with Borshev on the feet. But you're nothing if your cardio is not able to fuel any of that. And I'm curious to see what kind of shape we get Davison in terms of like when he's actually exerting himself and showing energy because physically speaking, the guy looks in tremendous shape. Unfortunately, that is never indicative of how a fighter will actually compete once they step inside the cage. So if we get a great performance from Mike Davis to, uh, this weekend, I'm hoping that it's a 15-minute fight so he can gauge his cardio as well. Then I'll be happily uh, you know, backing him in the future at chalky prices. But you know, one thing that people are overlooking from the Mark D. Casey fight from the Borshev, uh, for the Borshev side of things is you know, he got 11 takedowns there, meaning that Borshev managed to get up at least 10 times. That's a lot to just keep picking or, you know, taking somebody down, trying to control them, them getting back to their feet, and then you having to try to take them down again. That will gas and tax your uh, cardio a lot. And that's kind of my concern here with Mike Davis. If he can establish that top control, if he can establish a, or even get a finish early here against Borshev, this could get a little bit greasy should it go down the, uh, you know, into the third round. And Mike Davis has landed seven takedowns, but he looks like he's starting to slow down. Borshev will absolutely smell that. Uh, you know, he'll be a, like a fish, at, uh, you know, smelling blood in the water. Fish? A shark, sorry. What am I talking about? A shark smelling blood in the water and, and go after Mike Davis. Uh, we know that he loves his body shots as well, so he'd definitely be digging to the body to try to tax that cardio even more. Um, but if we get even... 
75% of the Mike Davis that we know uh, and can rely on, he should be able to cruise pretty easily in this fight. So uh, prediction is Mike Davis, Mike Davis by a decision, but this is a sit back and watch spot for me. Let's see what kind of Mike Davis we're coming back to. If all systems go, I'll happily back him in the future. Basm right now, it's just going to stay as a prediction. What about yourself, my friend? What are, you, what are you thinking here? Is there any merit to the issues that I'm bringing up or do you think I'm just overblowing it? Not only are there, is there merit to it, it's why I'm going the other way. Hmm. Uh, when I see a guy that with, withdraws from a lot of fights, I mean, you brought up the COVID thing. He's, he, I mean, look, they're, they're the same age too. Like, let me, let me get that like crystal clear at, uh, they're not the same point in their careers, but they're a year apart. Borshev's only 30 years old. You know, I want the guy who's active. I always want to take the fighter who's been active and it's not just that Borshev is active getting fights. It's that Borshev's active at his gym. He's a striking coach. I mean, this guy is working with some of the best fighters out there. And uh, yeah, Diakessi wet blanket at him and did no damage, but Borshev's get up game is pretty good. It's a concern that Dakota Bush was taking him down. I get it, but we can't assume that he's going to be the same fighter fight to fight to fight. I got to assume that like, I have to think that all they're working on is his takedown defense, not his get up game, even just his takedown defense. His cardio, Borshev's cardio is pretty good. Again, his cardio looked fine against Diakasi for how often he was in bad positions. Davis, you know, look, his win against Mason Jones, maybe not aging great at this point from what we've seen from him. I think Davis, you know, look, if this is in a video game and there's no external factors and it's just skill sets, I think Davis wins. But I can't make that bet. I can't get to him as a favorite. I think they both have finishing equity. I don't think Borshev has decision equity. I think for Borshev to win, he has to win by KO. Do I think a late KO is possible for him, though? A million percent. I, I really do think he can get Mike Davis out of there. It's dogger pass. It's KO dogger pass. I've not made a play on it yet because I'm terrified that Mike Davis could look. I mean, he honestly, there's a way he could look minus 500 here. And that's what's scaring me off it. But it's going to be wait and see for me. But I think this is a really interesting live. This is the first very interesting live bet spot on the card for me. If Davis is taking him down, but Borshev just keeps getting up and there's no damage done, you can get Borshev at plus three something, maybe higher. Might be worth a poke at that point because, like I said, Borshev, he's never really looked tired to me. Yeah. So I think he's going to have a cardio advantage as this fight wears on and getting him at a good really good underdog price late when I, again, when I think his only chance is a finish, you're not worried about the scoring at that point. If you're taking him live, you're not, I mean, the only way he gets decision is if he does a lot, lands a lot of body shots and Davis just is so tough that he takes it. But man, the way Borshev hits, I don't think a lot of people can really withstand him when he's locked in. So pass for the betting side for now, looking to live bet Borshev after round one, if he's shown that he can, just take no damage on the ground. It's like you read my uh, live betting uh, tee-up for this matchup as well, because I, I felt the exact same way, man. Like uh, I do think you can get Borshev at a better line after that first round, uh, but it's all indicative of how... Uh, or at least we should keep an eye on how uh, Davis's cardio looks after that first round and then decide whether you want to pull the trigger or not. And I want the uh, dance. And I want to see Borshev do 
the happy Russian fan. Of, of who doesn't? Who doesn't? It, Everybody it, loves themselves in Slava Claus. It's, it's, I would say it's, since you're in Canada, I'll just say it's un-North American. <laughs> not want to see that dance. <laughs> Thank you for including us as well. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> and to our friends in Mexico. Like, we're all included. There you go. All rooting for the, the dance, except for people that are friends with Mike Davis, I suppose. Or Mike <laughs> exactly. Davis. Or Mike Davis betters are probably not rooting for that dance. Not at all. All right, let's go to the next fight here. Uh, catch weight bout of 140 pounds. We got John Castaneda going up against Wiley Cat, Daniel Santos. In terms of odds, we currently have minus 180 on Castaneda and plus 155 the return on Daniel Santos. Uh, I'm going to let you kick this one off, Lou. What are you thinking here? Does Castaneda build upon his career best performance last time when he took out Miles Johns, or does Daniel Santos pick up his first win inside the UFC by pulling off the upset here? I think the Miles John win was great. The only the only problem I really have with Castaneda is he's such a slow starter. I mean, he started slow against Johns. He started slow against Wineland. And yeah, he got Wineland out of there. And like, look, man, I'm old school fan. I love Eddie Wineland, but knocking him out in the first round, I can't I can't give too much credence to that this at his career stage. The Miles John win was really good though. I don't, and then I don't really know what to make of Daniel Santos. I mean, the Arce win, he took that on short notice, right? Uh, no, I don't think that was short notice. I, I, I think he just, I think he just, I think he got signed and then took it. Okay. Santos was talking. I, I didn't really like how mouthy he was that whole build up to that fight. And he was doing all sorts of like the first round, he's going for all sorts of highlight reel ESPN level stuff on Arce who, it's just so technical. Like that stuff doesn't really work on him. Uh, and then he, and his cardio was bad. He didn't look I by the six. Like it wasn't even just his cardio. RC was drilling him the body a lot. Like Santos lost the will to fight. You could like, he hung on, he's tough. I'm not taking that away from him, but he kind of lost the will. And he just, anything he threw at that point was like a hail Mary. And RC just pieced him up and looked so good doing it. It's weird how RC can look so good. And then so bad. Like he has no middle ground, that guy. Like, because when he yeah. looks good, he looks like a title contender. But Santos had nothing for him except for spinny stuff. And I don't think that's and that's not going to work here against Castaneda. The only, I think Santos' only win condition is really can he hit some highlight real kick in the first two minutes? Because as this fight goes on, Castaneda's going to get the ground game going. He's going to stay out of danger. He's going to have a tremendous cardio advantage here. I think he wins by decision. I think the price tag's justified. So give me Castaneda here to win. Uh, I'm not going to bet the decision because you're not really getting a big price jump to do it, but he's a good parlay piece here. And on the main card, I don't have a ton of bets yet. Cause I just, you know, like we're talking about Yusef before being minus 1100 in some books. Like there's just some spots that I don't love yet on the main card, but this is one that's definitely a parlay piece for me. Uh, unfortunately I'm going to be on the other end of the, the, the bet here. For you. I, I do like the, uh, the Daniel Santos side. Now, uh, I see a lot of people giving him flack for the Julio Arce fight. And I think like you nailed it in regards to like, there's days where Julio Arce looks like a killer. And then there's days where he loses to Brian Keller, right? Like there's, there's just those types of days. Um, but one thing that Arce is really good at is he's a, uh, he's very good defensively speaking. Like if you look at his UFC stats page, you're talking about a 69% striking defense rate. Like it's very hard to hit this guy. Uh, he does a good job in kind of just seeing what his opponents are doing, getting out of the way and attacking uh, and countering effectively. Now, Daniel Santos was like the one pressuring the entire time, but he just couldn't hit him because Arce just 
striking defense is just so goddamn good. Now, Castaneda, I don't think he's as good in terms of his striking defense. I think he's going to eat shots here. I think it's going to be hard for him to get that pressure off of him from the uh, Daniel Santos side. Like digging into the regional tape of Daniel Santos, he's going up against legitimate competition and looking good doing so. Like he's stopping takedowns. Like I don't even think that path is going to be there for Castaneda if he is getting outstruck on the feet and looks to take this to the ground. I think that we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, Santos stuff the takedowns should they come his way. Uh, he does a good job of putting pressure on his opponents, and I think people are like there might be a little bit of recency bias here considering that one Castaneda is coming off the best performance of his career pulling off a big upset in his last fight against Miles Johns. And then on the flip side for Daniel Santos, probably a career-worst performance from him, uh, even if it's against a high-level opponent like Julio Arce. But people don't want to give Arce his flowers, right? They're like, oh, you know, he got knocked out by Song Yadong. You know, he's losing to all these other guys. No, nah, like, he's, 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 he's legit. Super he's legit. tactical boxer, man. I agree. Yeah, but like people are just shitting on him saying, oh, you know, losing to a guy like Arce, of course he's going to lose to Castaneda. That's, first of all, MMA math never works out. And secondly, this is a completely different stylistic matchup. Like the, like you said, he was a slow starter against Eddie Wineland, but I think the reason he started slow there is because Eddie Wineland was the one putting pressure on him, throwing big shots, making him uh, stay on his heels. And I think that's what we're going to see here from Daniel Santos, keeping him on his heels and just... You know, just 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 battering him from the outside with shots, throwing his spinning shit, his flying shit, whatever it is. And for Castaneda, like I think it's going to overwhelm him at a certain point. Um, also, Santos training with uh, like heavy or lightweight champion, sorry, Charles Oliveira, coming out of a decent gym that's you know really exploding on the Brazilian MMA gym scene now too. So, gotta believe that he wants to continue to to bring that uh, or hold that flag high for these guys and and get his first dub inside the UFC here. I really think the the Castaneda love is slightly getting a little bit overblown just because of the last performance. Uh, and I think that if Santos can take charge in the striking the way that I think he could, uh, I think he'll be able to maybe catch Castaneda, put him out. I think his, uh, his KO prop was around plus 500, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or he can just control this fight for the majority of it and just you know, uh, win this fight by decision by just being the guy that's taking charge in the striking line of the better strikes. So uh, closer fight than I think on 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 paper, at least based on the odds, uh, which is why I had to take the value shot here on the Daniel Santos side. Hopefully he comes through. I apologize, Lou, if that means that you end it's, up losing money. It's definitely, but, a, it's definitely yeah. a big step down in competition. Like, I will say that. I, I think the line may be a little wide. It's recency bias. I, I get that. It's just, yeah. it, it's, it's just a thing with Santos. And I, like, I think Aiden brought it up in chat. It's seeing him kind of lose the will to fight again. I know it's against Arsai, who I think is super impressive technically. Seeing that is why I just I just can't get there. But 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 I see why you like the skill set. Yeah, like the skill set again in a vacuum. The skill set's pro like more impressive to me. Yeah, uh, it it all really comes down to in my opinion. Who can take charge in that striking room? And I think that we've seen enough from Santos that he should be able to as well. But uh, closer fight on paper than I think we'll see uh, how it actually ends up going down. But there you guys go. I'm going to go with Santos, my guy Lou on the Castaneda side, as a lot of people seem to be this week. So I don't hate that pick either. All right. Let's tough, get... tough, bet though, tough bet though with the favorite here at that number. Like mm -hmm. hoping maybe you get some love before fight time, but I don't know if it's going to move too much. Yeah, I, I think it's roughly going to stay where it's at.
Um, all right, let's get this next fight underway here. Uh, it's a featherweight matchup. We got Sadiq Yusuf going up against Don Shanus, uh, minus uh, where's he at now? Minus 975. I'm seeing on DraftKings, minus 1100 on certain other places for Sadiq Yusuf, uh, plus 675 on Shanus. If you go to bet online, you can get plus 750 as well. Now, when I um, when I, before I got into the tape study for this matchup. I was expecting to see a complete scrub on tape. You know what I mean? Considering he's such a big underdog to Sadiq Yusuf. And got to be honest, I was slightly impressed with what I saw from Shanus, right? Decent wrestler. Does a good job in terms of kind of uh, imposing his will against guys. Even when he's fighting at a, a weight class that he shouldn't be fighting at, he's fought at 155 and 145. Seems like he should even be a 135 given his size. But, uh, you know, he's making it work for himself. Um uh he has like i said good takedowns good top control uh and even in the striking he'll obviously be at a striking disadvantage here but i love the fact that he just throws the that, those calf kicks like that's one kind of ace in the hole that i don't really see a lot of fighters using but i think they should because it really immobilizes your opponent and really slows them down and it gives them something to think about and if shanus can kind of stay active with that here when he's trying to look for his entries to eventually get in on the takedown he could just stay active with the the calf kicks and i think that should be enough to for him to eventually open up that takedown opportunity i can't fathom backing sadiq yusuf at a minus 975 or whatever the fuck he's at um considering his style Sometimes he's low volume. Sometimes he lets fights just pass him by. Sometimes when he's forced to grapple, his cardio looks like dog shit. And Shanus is a guy that I've seen go five rounds and look decent doing so. Maybe he can try to force this into being more than just a Sadiq Yusuf fight. A Sadiq Yusuf fight looks like a slow-paced kickboxing fight where he can land his big shots, try to put you down, try to land the better strikes, and you know maybe get a knockdown and win a decision that way. But when he is forced to fight, when he is forced to grapple, when he is forced to showcase more aspects of MMA, that's where you really start to see him slow down. So if Shane is, uh, first of all, I think Shane is can make this more competitive than plus 700 indicates, right? Not saying he's going to win because the ultimate prediction still comes down to Sadiq Yusuf landing a knockout blow here and, and getting him out of there. But minus 150 on Sadiq Yusuf by knockout is still a little iffy, right? I remember uh, a couple months ago, everybody was on Gunnar Nelson by sub over uh, Takashi Sato, paying minus 200 up to even, I saw in certain spots, and it didn't come out. You have to be very careful when you pick. Why well, you have to bring pick. that? Why well, you have to bring that up? <laughs> uh, hey, I was very close to being on it myself. I'm sure I probably chucked it into a parlay uh, as well. But it didn't come to fruition. That's what happens when you bet on specific um specific props like that specific method of victory props like that so betting chalk on that you got to be very careful it's already hard enough to pick a winner in mma because of how volatile it is now you want to pick the specific prop as in terms of how he wins and you're getting minus 150 on it got to be careful in those aspects i think that this fight will go um a little bit longer i think maybe the over one and a half is not a bad way to go about it but i think like i've all week i've been concerning a small stab on shane so even like a quarter unit stab or a 0.5 unit stab uh concerning of how wide a favorite or underdog he is because of how competitive i think he could actually make this fight um i'm still gonna pick sodiq i think you'll eventually clip him later on in this fight and get him out of there but uh man i'm i'm, I'm likely gonna keep my action completely off this fight because of how volatile i think it could be what about yourself am i am i jerking off shanus a little bit too much here or do you see what i'm seeing as well no he looked and he looked terrible on the you know he had the privacy curtain today uh yeah box I'm of shame gonna, is what we call it around here Lou. <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to break down this one really too much. I'm just going to tell you a bet I found that I think has like a shitload of value for this. You know, look, Shane is pretty tough. He got finished in his first fight. It's forgivable. Never, he hasn't been finished since. And Yusef isn't some monster finisher. You know, again, I don't want to bet negatives. Like, you, you can look at this in a vacuum. You can look at the line. I think you can look at a line this wide and just talk yourself into a finish. And I don't necessarily think that's the case here. I think Shane is, especially early in the fight, I mean, we don't talk about this a lot, but think of the pressure on you as a 10-to-1 favorite, as a 20-to-1 favorite. Like, if you lose, you're, your career is almost over. Like, you look like such an idiot at that point. There's a little bit of extra pressure being a massive favorite. I almost think fighters, I think they have to prefer being the underdog because they can play up the word disrespected angle. Maybe in their head, it's like, well, if I lose, I'm supposed to lose. Just maybe there's built-in excuses. But Sheamus has nothing to lose here. He took this fight on short notice. He's not Chikadze. So this is a step down for Yusef. Sadiq Yusef to win and over one and a half rounds on DraftKings is minus 135. And, and that's crazy to me because I think he can hang in there for seven and a half minutes. I don't care how Betty looked on the scale. Again, it's not like Yusef's coming out and knocking out dudes in the first round. I mean, he takes his time. He couldn't get Caceres out of there. And Caceres is a guy that, that can be finished by the right guys. I, I thought Yusef would finish Caceres, and he wasn't even really close. So I think Yusef at over one and a half at minus 135 is a great way to get this number to be a manageable price. I like it. I love that angle for sure. Like I already liked the over one and a half. Now you mix in the guy that you think is going to win and you get an even better price. Like, I like that. I like that. I mean, over one and a half is, well, now that I'm seeing that, maybe I don't love it as much over one and a half is minus minus one fifty. I'd probably just play the over in that case. Then there's no reason to, there's no reason to save the 15 cents at that point. Yeah. In case Shane just does fucking pull one out of his ass or, or banana peel. I mean, I like, you're not getting, you don't, you're not getting a big enough price difference to, you know, it's like taking in Ganyu by KO or in the distance or in Ganyu KO, and it's like a five cent difference. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. so take him in the distance and like, oh no, it was if the Gon fight, it was his KO prop and his money line were like, I think they were not five, too far ten, off. I think it was five, 10 cents apart. And it's like, yeah. oh, I can't believe he didn't get the KO. It's like, but why would you bet it? Why would you bet it like that if the numbers, if it's, you know, if it's a dollar difference, I understand it. But for five, Couple 10 cents, cents yeah. like, oh man, you got greedy. That's, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, shocking that he won by decision, of course, but. Not many Still. people saw that coming. No, no. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next fight here. We got three one, three more to go. This one brings us back down to the bantamweight division where we kicked off tonight. Uh, we got my guy, Howdy Barcelos, going up against uh, Trevin Jones here in terms of odds. We got minus 240 now on uh, Barcelos and plus 200 the return on Trevin five-star Jones. It's weird to say this, but I think that this is a chalk being blocked fight. Both guys coming off of, uh, I believe, two straight losses now. Uh, Lou, I'm going to let you kick this one off, man. Do you think Howney can channel his inner Jose Aldo and go out there and get another win with leg kicks and, and good striking? Or does Trevin Jones pull another come-from-behind victory and uh, get his hand raised as well? What are you thinking? Well, you got to think, I mean, Barcelos really needs to win this fight, man. I mean, he really needs this fight in his career. Trevin Jones, man, I I just never know what to make of him. I feel like I feel like the easy way to break this fight down is this. Barcelos is going to be winning every minute unless he loses the fight and gets knocked out. But I think he could very easily win all 15 minutes. He's pretty durable. He's pretty tough. I don't think Jones is going to get him out of there. So Barcelos, 
by decision is probably the way to attack it. But I have a bet on the over two and a half here. I really do think that even if Jones is taken over late for some reason, if Marcellus cardio fails him, maybe it's a body shot just for whatever reason. I just don't see a finish either side here. I know Jones KO is like plus 550. And if you're on it, I guess I understand it. But I do think he has a way to win a decision here. I mean, look at the Victor Henry fight. Victor Henry landed tons of shots. Barcelos ate it. I don't see a reason why Jones can't do that here. But I don't see Barcelos. He's he's a 35-year-old guy fighting at 135. He doesn't have tremendous. He hasn't proven that he has tremendous finishing upside in the UFC level. I see him winning by decision. But that over two and a half at minus 145 is, is a solid straight bet. And it's a solid parlay piece if you really want to. Fight goes is, uh, I'll tell you what it is in a second. Minus 120. I'd rather just eat the quarter and give me the two and a half minutes just in case. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little bit higher on the Barcelo side here. I don't I really don't mind the chalk on him. I I do think that we're going to see a reinvigorated version of him tomorrow night. Uh, You know, being on this two fight losing streak and a guy of his caliber, I think he uh, I just don't know if he can live with himself having a loss here against a guy like Trevin Jones. Now, like Victor Henry, ultimately, at the end of the day, we can give him a pass on that fight, right? Like Victor Henry is a guy that was heavily overlooked uh, and was a guy that had a tremendous amount of experience from all corners of the world. Like that guy is a high level guy that used to, you know, trains with high level guys and has been around the game for a long, a long time. So losing to a guy like that, not too bad. The, the Timor value fight, that should have been a learning lesson for him to be like, Hey, I got to pull the trigger. That was a one, one fight going into the second or the third round. Possibly even a 10-8 in that second round for Barcelos, but most judges ended up giving it a 10-9. Those need to be learning lessons. And I think that we're going to see him go to the gym, go back to the drawing board, get it together again, and now come back against a very winnable opponent here in Strevin Jones. He's just got to worry about that big power. If he can stay away from that, if he can put his punches together, if he can get his wrestling going, if he can give us a Hali Taha-type performance, I think he wins this fight pretty easily. Um, And... uh, yeah, like Taha, another big power puncher that he was able to eat big shots from. His durability looks on point. I think he'll be able to eat those shots here from uh, Trevin Jones as well. And uh, last thing I'll say, the, the Jones win over value of like that was a power issue plus, or sorry, a power reason as to why Trevin Jones won that fight, as well as a cardio issue from the Timor value side, because and we can't blame him. The guy threw the fucking kitchen sink at uh, Trevin Jones in that first round and couldn't get him out of there, gassed him out, gassed himself out doing so, and Trevin Jones was able to take uh, advantage of that in the second round. But if you I, run that 10 times, I mean, nine, I, like, yes. like, it's such an outlier. I mean, but that's the variance we deal with, but, you know, such an outlier weird result for that fight. Mm-hmm. And how many other referees probably would have stopped that fight in that first round? And we're not even talking about Trevin Jones fighting Barcelos probably tonight, right? So we'll talk about him fighting in a, you know, DKFC, PFL, PFL's <laughs> like featured bout, like undercard bout on PFL or something. Right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I think that this is a very winnable spot for Hani Barcelos as long as he doesn't have another brain fart like he did in the Timor Value fight, and as long as his age really doesn't start to show here at thirty-five he should be able to handle business pretty easily here. So I, I didn't mind the chalk myself at minus 230. I don't mind eating chalk, especially if on high-level fighters like this. Hopefully he can go out there and prove me right and make me uh, cash those couple units I'll be able to get if he gets this dub here. All right, let's get to the co-main event of the evening. We got Randy Brown going up against Francisco Trinaldo. 
in terms of odds, we got minus 325 on Randy Brown, plus 270 the return on Francisco Trinaldo. Um, I had to do a write-up for this, uh, for the Action Network, as I always do. Uh, shout out to the Action Network. Uh, always providing their co-main event breakdowns for UFC events. Uh, doing pretty well with those, and I'm hoping that that luck can continue on here with UFC Vegas 61, as it seems like a pretty easy matchup to break down, right? Like Randy Brown, youth, size, strength, length. Any advantage he pretty much has here, he has it. Other than maybe the power. Trinaldo probably has a tad bit more power, as usually that's the last thing to go for a lot of these fighters. Uh, but I think that we'll see, you know, uh, uh, Randy Brown do what he did in his last two fights against other big power punchers. Stay disciplined. Stay on the outside. Chip away at him. Use his jab. Use his kicks to keep Trinaldo at distance. And uh, just, just pitter-patter him, right? Don't overextend. Don't leave yourself vulnerable to, vulnerable to get hit by a big puncher like Trinaldo. And you should be able to win this fight. You should be able to add on to your UFC best four-fight winning streak now by getting this dub this weekend by just keeping it safe, playing it, uh, you know, very disciplined. So the way that I'd look to attack it is probably Brown by decision, which sits anywhere from plus 120 to plus 150, depending on the bookie that you can get it at. But I think that he will be able to stifle that uh, big power of Trinaldo. And even though Trinaldo's on a 5-1 and one run now in his last six fights, I think Brown is probably one of the better, more disciplined guys that he's going to be going up against. And everybody thought that Danny Roberts was going to be that guy, but Trinaldo had different plans than I did as uh, the striking defense on Danny Roberts leaves a lot to be desired at times. Randy Brown, a little bit better. You know, I know he got caught a little bit by Chaos Williams, but he showed great composure in that fight, came back and so on that fight by decision. I'm thinking he could showcase the same thing here against the old man, Francisco Trinaldo. So give me a uh, Randy Brown by decision. What are you thinking here, Lou? You got, you got, uh, you going with the, your fellow 40 year old <laughs> trying to get the dub here? Or do you think that Randy Rude Boy Brown rolls here? Well, first of all, just, you know, as an incentive to follow me on Twitter, one of my the primary sports that I give out picks for is soccer or football if you will football. and my and my plus 140 bet luton town team total of one and a half just hit in 44 minutes hey. you had a you had a sweat free plus 140 if you there took you that play. not just mma you're getting some football from my guy lou make sure you guys hit that's uh that follow sorry i had to just throw that in there so uh everything you said i read i i read you right up on the action network today appreciate that and uh it's spot on especially how trinaldo struggles against guy like everything with roberts roberts honestly man i don't even know if he's ufc caliber at this point he's you know i, I can't I believe i lost my bet on Ameev against him like i can't believe i lost that that was a controversial and even decision. the anders fight like he looks good and then he looks terrible yeah. like i don't know what to make of him but i'm like all the credit to Trinaldo, man fought a good game plan looked great doing it i don't see how he wins this fight i think everything you said is perfectly is so on point i think brown by decision, he's going to just land everything. I think it's going to be it's going to be one way traffic. However, there was a prop that I saw that I had to take a poke on because of the number. You look at Brown's two losses. You're going to know where I'm going with this in about 30 seconds. You look at Brown's two losses. He lost in round two to Luke. Eh? He lost a weird knockout to to Nico Price in round two. That was a wild one. Like, which is like never like one out of a thousand. But his knockout losses are in round two. Trinaldo round two KO. I know. I know. Trinaldo. I don't see, by the way, I don't see. Don't you out here, Lou. Don't you put that juju out here. Not saying I have a bet on on Brown, but just for the sake of my uh, Action Network record. (laughs) But please continue. It's plus 2,500 for Trinaldo round two KO. And I'm like, 
how do I not throw something on that? Like it's, <laughs> it's how do I not throw like five dot? Like again, this doesn't have to be like a huge. You don't have to bet like a ton of money on it. It's one of those things, especially because I plan on having Brown in a lot of. He's a parlay piece for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. The Brown decision is going to be a straight bet, but Brown money line. Cause I do think he, I think he has finished potential here. I actually think he has, I think he has crazy submission potential here too. I mean, he has one with a one arm choke before like he's cre- Randy Brown's in, in, he's like, I think nobody gives him credit for this. He's very creative. He's a unique creative fighter. That's hard to train for. Like he has so many different wrinkles of his game and he, and he improves every time we see him. I think the guy's super impressive. It's mental lapses. Like, that has cost him. Could he have a mental lapse? Probably not here. I think he's just going to be so dominant that this, and a decision's going to happen. But having that Trinaldo around 2KO gives me, like, that slight little hedge away. Like, all right, I lost the parlay, but, like, nailed this. It's okay. But I think Brown decision is the perfect way to play it. And uh, the line is, honestly, it's probably not even wide enough. I'm honestly like I'm. I hate playing decision props. I really, really do because like yeah, you gotta especially in a fight like this. Fifteen minutes, you know. Yes, like, I hate it. I'm much more of an unders guy, a violence guy. But even those end up coming to shit every now and then, right? But like this one, I, the only thing that scares me is the speed advantage he's gonna have here and how often he's gonna be able to ding up Trinaldo. We really have to bank on Trinaldo's durability here because if it doesn't hold up, this will be an easy KO win for Brown. But I think for the most part, we're gonna be able to see uh Raddy Brown ran, land on him early and often, and hopefully for the majority of 15 minutes to get home that decision victory as well. All right. Let's get to the main event, but quickly before we do, shout out to the 100 live viewers that we currently have with us on this Friday afternoon. Appreciate every single one of you guys. Lou has plenty of things that he has his hands involved with. I'll get him to plug that for us after we get into, uh, after we finish the main event breakdown, but... The main thing that you guys should be following him on is his Twitter page. And I have that linked in the description below. Give that a click. Give the man a follow. I promise you guys won't regret it. And make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below as well. Show your support for this channel too. Because we truly appreciate you guys coming out every Friday to support your boy and every single guest that I bring on the show as well. All right. Let's get. And uh, by the way, I love that. uh, There's been a couple guys that keep calling Randy Randall. Uh, I'm I, I'm sure that might be his full name, but it's just so weird to Randall Brown. You just the only Randall I know is Randall K. Orton of the RKO. <laughs> Are you a wrestling fan, Lou? Are you a big wrestling fan? My lawyer's not here. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I'm literally known for doing a Macho Man impersonation. Like, well, no, I mean like modern. Like I love the Attitude Era of wrestling. I'm talking about today, this day and age. Are you into the the wrestling that is currently being showcased? Man, Preet, if you ask that question one more time, I'm gonna body slam you off the top rope for maximum damage. Uh, now nah, I kind of got out of it with the Stone Cold era and the Rock, and uh, yeah, that was me. That was my time. That was it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, although Vince McMahon retiring is like so interesting because retiring. Hey, Luke, well, he's gone. Well, yeah, yeah. well, Triple H, Triple H taking over is kind of interesting because I know he's like really old school, like the '90s and '80s style, and I wonder if he could. I'll just say this real quick. I don't give like I don't care. I give a shit about John Cena as a wrestler great human being doing the make a wish. Yeah. Like I respect that immensely. I don't want to see John Cena on my TV as an adult. 
but I don't pay money for it. Kids do, families do. And guess what they want to see? They want to see John Cena. So the thing is, is they don't care about me as a fan. They care about the next generation and the 20, the people with money that are going to spend on their product. So, all that shit. so I'm my, my, like I'm long gone for that. Like I, I don't hate it. I wish them the best, but, uh, and if they're in Philly, like I went to ECW all the time. If they're in Philly, I'll go. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, dude. Oh my God. Like give me all those. Sabu. Games. That was my shit back in Yo, the day. We, we used to go to, we used to go to Ray's, which is, it's a bar in the movie Rocky, but Ray's is where a lot of these wrestlers like Raven and the Sandman used to go and get like fucked up. And we would like go after the show and we're like, oh man, like you guys were awesome. They're like, awesome. Buy me beers and shots. We don't get paid. I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. And they were, cool. <laughs> and they were like, I don't want to say they were cool to hang out with, but it was like, you know, you get starstruck once then you see him there every, then you see him there and you're like, oh God, like, I don't even go near him. I don't want him buying me. I don't want to have to buy him a drink. Like, so nah, I like I'm old school fam, but not as much anymore. I'll I'll like like if there is a big event that comes to Toronto, I'll go check it out. Like even if I don't, I, I do not follow it. I do sure. not. My brother does, a couple of his friends do, but they have an AEW show coming up here uh, in two weeks that, that we got tickets for. I don't know what to expect. I don't even know who wrestles for AEW. Jer I just know Jericho. Who? Jericho. Well, Chris Jericho's there. Shit, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, you know I mean, like I, I'm just showing up there and hoping it's a good time. That's it. I'm just gonna get shit faced and enjoy myself. I, I don't care if I'm gonna be yelling profanities with kids right beside me. AEW is apparently like the new age ECW in a sense, is it not? Like it's like the, the cool hip wrestling promotion to be a part of. So the guy that owns the guy that owns the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars, his son owns AEW. Interesting. Tony Khan. All and he owns to me. And he owns Fulham. It's it's an alter it's a friendly alternative, but uh it's all the same shit. Honestly, yeah. at this point, it's all the same shit. Exactly. All right, let's get this train back onto the rails because I'm sure people don't want to hear us talk about pro wrestling, but it is my show, so fuck you guys. Chat let's, chat's enjoying it. Chat chat is kind of enjoying it. Uh, all right, let's get to the uh let's get to the main event here. Strawweight main event. Mackenzie Dern going up against Yan Xiao Nan. In terms of odds, we got minus 230 on Mackenzie Dern, plus 195. The return on Yan Xiao Nan. Classic striker versus grappler matchup here, right? Like this is this is what the UFC was built upon. Is the striker better than the person that you can take you to the ground? Uh, that always is the case. Uh, you know, that, that's always the big question. And usually I I lean with the grappler, right? Usually I go with the person that can get the fight to the ground where they can really, you know, subdue their opponent and not really have to eat too much shots, uh, especially with having their opponent on their back. But at a certain point, we got to start taking odds into consideration, right? And given how wide these odds are, I just can't get behind the Mackenzie Dern train here. Uh, she, like, if she gets this fight to the ground, she has a greater chance of finishing on the ground than Yan Nan has it on the feet, in my opinion. But that still doesn't mean that the striking discrepancy is so goddamn wide here that you need to give Yan Nan a spot or a shot, uh, especially around plus 190, plus 200. Um, she is a far superior striker here. And for some reason, even though she doesn't really have any KO victories in the UFC, I feel like a KO is live here for her. Like, if she has that advantage where she can continuously land on Mackenzie Dern, it's absolutely going to be live. Now, I'll throw this out there. Uh, Mackenzie Dern against Marina Rodriguez. I think that was the second last fight for Mackenzie. And that's a fight where we saw her really get discouraged in the fact that she couldn't get the fight to the ground. And then she was pretty much a sitting duck on the feet. And Marina Rodriguez was beating the brakes off of her. The next fight we saw her against Tisha Torres, we saw her, you know, still not completing any takedowns. She managed to get some submission attempts going and jumping on Tisha Torres and trying to drag her to the ground in that aspect. 
But we saw a little bit, I don't want to say improvement in her striking, but we saw the improvement in her confidence in her striking. We saw her going out there and just throwing shots, being a little bit reckless and not really caring that she's going to be eating shots on the return because at the end of the day, it's Tisha Torres that she's eating shots from. Now she's eating shots from, or will be eating shots from Yan Jaonan, a much heavier striker, a much more decorated striker than Tisha Torres. And I'm thinking if we see that same type of confidence in the reckless striking approach of Mackenzie Dern, maybe Yan Jaonan lands some beautiful counters and she's able to hurt and drop and, and finish Mackenzie, Mackenzie Dern with her strikes because of that, the, the reckless behavior and nature of Mackenzie Dern striking Um you know, she has a dubious 9% takedown accuracy rate. She's only completed three takedowns in her entire UFC career. But somehow, someway, she always manages to get it there. Whether she's pulling guard, whether she's, uh, you know, inviting opponents to come into her garden. For God's sakes, I don't know why Hannah Cyphers or Randa Marcos followed her to the ground. But those were very winnable fights for those fighters. But she just hypnotized them to come into her garden. She was able to pull off those submission victories. I'd be surprised if Yad Jarnan even has a tad bit of intrigue to take this fight to the ground. Um, I'm hoping her time over there at Team Alpha has allowed her grappling to continue to improve. I'm not expecting her to look like a BJ Penn takedown defense type of uh, woman here. Actually, I lied. I am expecting her to look like BJ Penn with their takedown defense, especially against a girl with a 9% takedown accuracy rate. It's more so if she does find herself on the ground, I'm hoping her get-ups are safe enough and smooth enough where she doesn't get tangled up into a pretzel or anything like that. So I I had to take the underdog shot here on Yan Jan, and I think it's a no-brainer considering the striking advantage she has here. Sure, Mackenzie Dern should win this fight, should this fight hit the ground, but that's a lot to ask because every single fight starts on its feet, and if Yan Jan can keep it there, she should be able to batter Mackenzie Dern, and she might even be able to finish her as well. I'm so mad that I did not get to cash my plus 700 Yan Jaonan via KO against Karolina Kavakovic, even after she burst her goddamn tear duct and she just couldn't stop wiping her eye. They're very close to stopping that fight. Similar to uh, uh, the fight that we were talking about earlier for you where your fighter almost got that TKO win, but the fighter just wouldn't stop it uh, or the referee wouldn't stop it. Hopefully we can get that here with Yan Jaonan just beating the piss out of uh, Mackenzie Dern on the feet and cashes that ticket. But no need to get extra greedy. Her money line is good enough. Give me uh, McKenzie, or sorry, uh, Yan Jaonan. Yan Jaonan by TKO. Plus 190 is the number that I got. Kind of kicking myself because I'm seeing plus 200 now, but is what it is. We can't do anything about you that. You said TKO? You took the TKO prop? I did not take the TKO okay. prop, but I'm considering it. I'm still considering it, but I think it's live. What are you thinking okay. here? So I, I'm on the same side as you, and as a gambler of 900 years, <laughs> you know there's times you look at some of these numbers and like dallas cowboys new york yankees manchester united you look at teams that are just globally backed their line is going to be higher than it should be because they know the public a lot of the public that are casual gamblers are going to blindly hit i feel like dern is kind of getting a little bit of that love on this number she's you know i know she's not like and maybe she's not mainstream loved but there's a lot of love in trying to build her as kind of the next big thing in the female MMA game. Yeah, there is. And I think because of that, the line, the lines on her are always going to be ill-priced. Her sub prop I saw was minus 115. I think, I think that's a perfect price because I'm not certain how she wins a decision. And neither do the bookies, because if you look at the decision only prop, which is what I took here, Jan's minus 130 and Dern is even money. They know if this thing goes with decision, this thing almost assuredly played out on the feet. 
And if it did go to the ground, it means Dern didn't do anything. Maybe she got late, late takedowns, whatever. Do I, is it a sweaty 25 minutes? Sure. Because you're worried about Dern wrapping up the sub, but I mean, this is this is this the best striker she's ever faced? I think so. Uh, Marina it's Rodriguez, close. It's maybe cl I mean, it's close. Like, it's competitive. Yeah, it's it's comparable. It is, it put is, it that yeah. way. And I think Jan can hurt her. I really, I really am with you. I think she can hurt her. I don't know if she gets a knockout, but I think she can fight really smart on the feet. I think she can maintain distance. She's the bigger fighter, and I think she will. Maybe she's going to win minutes. Any any minute this fight's on the feet, I just don't see Dern winning it. So to me, it's Dern losing the fight until she wraps up the sub. If that's the case, I don't care that it's 25 minutes. Give me Jan here to win by decision, and I will take a poke on her money line as well. Minus 135 for the decision only is, is very reasonable for a women's fight that I think it more often than not goes the distance, even in a 25-minute fight. Yeah, I just want to bring up this quick comment here from my guy, Cole Stone. Uh, he's saying, as Locke says, what have you done for me lately? Dern coming off wins while Jan coming off losses. True. But nonetheless, close fights, awesome stylistic matchup. That's what I'm thinking like the majority of public bettors do, right? They're just like, oh, how did you look in your last fight? That's how I'm going to bet you. You look great. All right, you, you're a bet. You didn't look good. I'm going to bet against you, essentially. But you have to look further than that. You got to scope, like uh, zoom out a little bit and look at the the bulk of their performances. And I think that's where uh, profitable gamblers are able to pick up on on things where people are just like, just a little bit too hot. Like Vyacheslav Borshev earlier this year, right against Mark D. Casey. People are just looking at the run that Slava is on and completely disregarding Mark D. Casey as a viable competitor and a much more complete mixed martial artist than than Slava that night. So uh, that's what I mean by by that as well. All right, uh, I love that we both like the Yan side here as well. I love your uh, analysis in regards to the decision only prop for Yan as well. Minus one thirty, I think you said is that line there. I think that's a phenomenal spot. Uh, uh, and I do agree with you. Should this fight go the full 25 minutes, it likely means that it took place in the striking room and Yan Zhanan likely got the better of that as well. All right. The way that I like to end the show is drop in the lock of the night plays or the most confident plays that uh, we have. Um, I know some people take offense to the word lock for some goddamn reason. Guys, it's a goddamn word. Get your patties out of your fucking assholes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go uh, lock of the night play for me. A little bit chalky this week, but I feel pretty damn good about it. I went straight up on Hani Barcelos at minus 230. Uh, personally, I got five units on it straight up. Um, you know, people usually look at that line and say, oh, just parlay it with something else. Maybe Randy Brown is that guy that you parlay it with. But there have been so many goddamn parlays that have bit me in the ass thinking that it's going to be a for sure spot that I try to keep parlays out of my locker that I plays now and just to be straight up, uh, like a straight up money line better. You know, the, the most recent example, uh, Kamar Usman get knocked out by Leon Edwards. If one of the greatest fighters of all time can bust your parlay, anybody can bust your parlay. So I'm, I'm not going to. I won't be making parlays my locker that I plays at all. Um, so I'm in the full chalk on Hani. Think he styles on Trevin takes home a decision victory. What are you thinking here, Lou? What's the what's the most confident bet that you'd like to share with the viewers here? I like the uh, the Ronson under two and a half the most at minus one forty. I just nice. I just can't trust either one of their durabilities. Ronson has a huge liability on the ground. Silva's shin is a huge liability. They both have knockout power to end the fight. And Ronson definitely live to get sub under two and a half minus 140. I like as much as I like the Costa under one and a half, I'll take the one that's 40 cents cheaper, like all day for a lock play. So I'll say lock. I don't give a shit. 
Good. That's why I love you. And it your name good. starts with an L too. So good. Perfect. Well, my real name does does not, but <laughs> you know uh, what I mean, though. Shut up. Your your name, Lou, <laughs> and you, I will accept nothing else. Works for, works, for, works for me. I will also say the two plays that he mentioned, the under one and a half and the cost to fight, the under two and a half and the Ronson fight are both plays that I am on, I am on as well. So uh, if I give you guys any further confidence, make sure you guys hit it, uh, hit that up as well. All right, uh, Lou, I'm going to give you the platform one last time, my friend. Uh, what do you want to share with the folks? Uh, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they subscribe to your shit? Let them know right now. I'll just go follow the MMA engine. Uh, we have since we have this week off, it gives me more time. I'm the IT guy of the company. Then they let me on YouTube. Brady lets me out once in a while to <laughs> be on YouTube. But uh, I'm trying to finish up everything for the fight studio really quickly. Like it's, I've had some life has gotten in the way of it, but uh, I'm, we're almost done with it. So the first release, so I'm excited for that. So follow MMA uh, engine on YouTube, and then I'm doing a show in an hour and a half with Monk breakdown DFS stuff. Uh, more of like me to just test out comedy at this point. Like you already know my picks, but like I'll just do weird shit on the channel. And then tomorrow for the, I just want to promote this because it's a new thing. Uh, tomorrow at four o'clock, we're doing a live fight companion. I've never done one of these. It's going to be on Blood Money MMA's channel. He's a cool dude. Cody's a cool dude guy with Johnny K picks. My, my guy Pat addicted to combat. And I, we're going to be drinking heavily. We're going to be crazy people and two of us are big live bet guys so if you just look in the dgen as the fights are going on like we're gonna be throwing out like our instant analysis of it but should be fun uh and it's different and we'll see if i pass out before the main event <laughs> because if soccer goes well that'll end at noon i'm on east coast philly yeah. so soccer on at noon and then i'm probably gonna degen the kentucky game in college football which is going to prompt me to be like well i tell the girlfriend i'd be like well i gotta go out to the bar now i gotta go watch the game so i'll go to the bar and then i'll come back at 3 30 when the game's over and i'll be like fuck i am hammered before the fights start thank god my bets are in i'll like change my my DraftKings and bet mgm passwords so that i can't <laughs> log in at that point and uh, i'll just tell her be like change my password do not tell me what it is it'll probably be something like you're such an asshole <laughs> Like, One, two, 40, three. like 44 <laughs> or some nonsense right and then uh that'll be that but uh should be fun tomorrow and that's all i got on my end and if you like to laugh i try once in a while i have some funny lines here and there blind there squirrel, you guys go. Blind squirrel finds a nut there you go. Lou is, Lou is one of the better guys in the, in the game for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the few guys that, that reached out and, and looked at, looked out for your boy during that whole debacle I was going through over the past two weeks. And, you know, there's only a select few guys um, that I know that would do something like that. So I truly appreciate that support as always. Lou, let's do the fusion dance. If we need to, that's all good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, so I I don't know how to do the fort. I don't know how to do the Fortnite dance. If anybody like, <laughs> I thought you were doing the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. That's no, I was doing the. I, I, I ended with a wrestling thing. I'm doing the, you know, like. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm just so sucked into Dragon Ball Z over the last. I brought, couple of days, I so brought I it back. <laughs> I brought it back. I brought it back. That's a callback for anybody that doesn't know what that's called. All right, uh, uh, make sure you guys follow Lou. Link is in the description below. The guy is a very funny dude, very great dude, as I've obviously mentioned, and you guys have seen over the last hour and a half. Um, hit him with that follow, and then check out that live stream that he's going to be doing with those guys, because uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun as hell, especially with him being as shit as he likely will be as well for myself i'll be back 1 p.m eastern tomorrow for the fight day live chat might be a little baked maybe not drunk but i'll definitely be baked so maybe you guys can find some fun in that uh other than that i'll be watching the shows might 
no promises, but I might do a Bellator breakdown today on a couple of the fights because there are some nice. lines that I'm uh, that I'm looking at that I have stood out to me over the last couple of days. I just got to do the research. If I can get around to it, I will go live later this evening to do it. No promises, but for sure, I will be back 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for the Fight Day live chat. All right. On, my, on behalf of myself and Lou, appreciate everybody checking out the show. Hit that like and subscribe on the way out. Follow my guy Lou on Twitter as well. And good luck on your bets tomorrow, folks. We'll see you guys in two weeks. No event next week. Remember that. No UFC next week. So we'll be back October 15th to break down the Alexa Grasso versus Viviani Arujo card. All right. Good luck this weekend, folks.